Political scientists have historically been bad at foreseeing the most important developments. Few of us have guessed the end of the Cold War, and almost no one saw the Arab Spring coming. In defense of my discipline, there is a reason for that. Hello and welcome to Our World Corner. We're your hosts, Maria and Jason, and today we're asking the question, is America today on the road to a revolution? Before we get started, it's time for our fun fact of the day. Did you know that if you want to completely escape Earth's gravity and travel to another moon or planet, you need to be going at a speed of at least 7 miles per second, or about 25,000 miles per hour? That's what some kids would say, very fast. Well, that was our fun fact of today. Now let's get back to today's episode. So before a momentous event occurs, there are numerous possibilities and different ways events can unfold. After it happens, however, it will appear inevitable. And then we will be very good at explaining why it had to happen. Very few of us are now predicting the socio-political situation in the United States, which now features the impeachment probe into former President Donald Trump, which has led to an uprising. But after years of teaching on protests, uprising, and revolutions, it seems to me the U.S. is currently showing all the signs political scientists and historians would identify in retrospect as conductive to a revolutionary uprising. So what brings about a revolution? Of course, every revolution is unique and comparisons between them do not always yield useful insights. But there are a few criteria we identify in hindsight that are usually present in revolutionary explosions. First, there's tremendous economic inequality. Second, there's a deep conviction that the ruling classes serve only themselves at the expense of everyone else undermining the belief that these inequalities will ever be addressed by the political elite. Third, and somewhat in response to these, there is the rise of political alternatives that were barely acceptable in the margins of society before. Combined, these factors create a deeply felt and widely shared sense of injustice, an almost palatable conviction that the system is not working for the majority and only for the very few who abuse their positions of privilege. These qualities weaken any regimen's claim to legitimacy, but they're not solely sufficient. These indispensable ingredients of a political revolution is the mental revolution that happens before, personal convictions that the system is no longer working and needs to be replaced. Let's talk about the coming of a revolution. Before most major revolutions, there is a substantial increase in the numbers of protests. Populations display their displeasures and voice their grievances via marches, petitions, and protests. If their concerns remain unaddressed, these protests can become more extreme. Protests become strikes, marches become violent uprisings, resistance becomes a daily fact of life, and political organization commonplace. Once the population is convinced that the system is not working and their grievances will remain unheard, then almost anything can set off a political explosion. It could be a historic development like the Lutheran Reformation that triggered the Great Pisa Uprising of 1525 or the Great War that fueled the 1917 Russian Revolution. But it could also be a relatively mundane, common event like the taxation conflict that led the English Civil War in the 1640s or a famine in France in 1788. In the Arab Spring, it was a fishmonger's anger with the corrupt police. Really? A revolution in the U.S.? The United States is displaying all the above characteristics. The country is experiencing tremendous levels of economic inequality that's worsening according to every meaningful measurement. 
The New York Times writes about the broken economy. The Atlantic notes the toxic classified that is becoming unbridgeable in the intelligence or caused recent data released by the Federal Reserve, a damning indictment of capitalism. Compared to the previous decade, Americans are working much more for, le- for much less pay, and they're paying substantially more for their basic necessities. Even Fox News is having a hard time spitting the fact that there are more Americans than ever need to hold multiple jobs, a full-time job and a part-time job, on top of that, just to make ends meet. While the devastation visited upon the working class by the 2008 recession is far from remedied, economists are already forecasting a new recession. These would be troubling signs in a country where trust and political authority is strong. In the U.S., that's not the case. There has been a substantial loss in faith in the political authority. Trust in the political system is at an all-time low, and Americans also seem to have lost faith in politicians, even the rare few they believe mean well. Meanwhile, the last few years have seen the largest protests in the country's history, and a few of the issues that have spurred the protests from Occupy Wall Street to the Women's March and the March for Our Lives have been addressed. In fact, the situation that gave rise to them have either continued or worsened. Law enforcement for decades plagued with justified accusations of systematic racism is for the first time experiencing difficulties hiring and retaining new officers. And the gap between law enforcement and the people just goes beyond a lack of trust. There is now diminishing faith in the ability and neutrality of law enforcement agencies. When that happens, people start admiring themselves explicitly against the state. All the while, the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency is building facilities to train its officers for urban warfare. In response to the crises, political movements that would have been unimaginable a decade ago are rapidly and rather visibly rising. Though the U.S. system was never free of its racist and colonial roots, the last time fascism has been this prominent in the country was a brief period before the Second World War. But this time, it's the government condoning faces marches and openly deliberating whether anti-fascism is terrorism. It's accompanied by a general sense of alienation and revulsion with capitalism by Americans. Indeed, two of the leading contenders for the Democratic presidential nomination, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, have built their campaigns on the failures of capitalism, the servitude of Washington to the rich and the powerful and the promises of structural change. Could a U.S. revolution be a good thing? No, revolutions are never good things to live through. They bring conflict, war, pain, suffering, and hunger. And they plunge the country into political instability for decades. But also, yes, almost all political rights citizens enjoy and all the protections they have from the arbitrary use of political authorities are results of past revolutions. And sometimes political systems remain so far behind political consciousness that revolutions become the only way to catch up. In places with long-standing political culture and institutions where organized political movements engaged in politics without using weapons, revolutions can be relatively better controlled without spiraling into total chaos. For example, (laughs) Tunisia emerged from the Arab Spring and is political revolution unscathed. It was also the only Arab Spring country with the long-standing political institutions that took charge of the process. 
Those four institutions later received the Nobel Peace Prize for protecting the country from absolute chaos. In the U.S., it's clear the system is not working for the good of all. There are still numerous possibilities and different ways events can unfold. But unless these systemic failures are addressed soon, political scientists of the future will be explaining how a societal explosion in the U.S. became inevitable. Well, that was our show. Thank you so much for listening in, and we will see you next time on Our World Corner.